Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. We're here every Tuesday and Thursday to give you Bears information. I'm Adam Abdallah. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah, usually with Chris Bleck. You can hear us on Bleck and Abdallah weeknights at 6 p.m. It is Packer Week. The Bears face the Packers this Sunday on Sunday Night Football. The Bears 1-0. They beat the 49ers last Sunday. The Packers 0-1. They lose to the Vikings. And today we're going to get an in-depth look at the Green Bay Packers from Brian D of WTMJ. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian JD. That's Brian with a Y. And Brian, thanks for joining us. We look at this Packers team. They're 0-1. The offense did not look good. The defense looked even worse. Is the sky falling? What is the mood of the Packers? What is the mood of the fans heading into this game against the Bears? Yeah, I think the mood of Packers fans has been exactly what you saw in all of the gifts and videos and reactions of Aaron Rodgers on the sideline on Sunday afternoon, and that's that's frustration. Uh, people are frustrated that the season is open this way for the second consecutive year. Last year it was a 38-3 blowout loss to the New Orleans Saints, and this year – uh, not as bad, 23-7, to but still to the divisional foe in the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and the offense looked clunky. Uh, and it, it wasn't just the drop, the 75-yard would-be touchdown to Christian Watson that was dropped. Uh, there were a couple of mental miscues and plays that Aaron Rodgers would normally make in his sleep to Devontae Adams that were very difficult. And he took a lot of hits. And uh, people are frustrated across our state that this doesn't look like it has for the better part of the last decade. And I don't know why people would have expected it to look that way, but um, it, we're going to have to adjust to this new world of life without Devontae Adams. It continues this week, obviously, against the Bears on Sunday night football. And uh, I don't expect things to look perfect this week. Uh, and I don't think Packers fans should either. This is going to be a process as these guys try to work together and get these young wide receivers up to speed. And looking to this week, I'm sure the conversation around the Packers and around the fans, too, is, oh, well, we have the Bears coming in, given the record that Aaron Rodgers has against the Bears and that he owns the team, apparently, like that came up last year. What's the mood about this team coming in and kind of having a get-right game against a team that they've had success against? Yeah, I certainly think there's an air of confidence surrounding the Packers whenever it comes to the Bears. Now, I will say that I think the Bears opened everybody's eyes, including here in the state of Wisconsin, you know, with what they did in week one uh, on that swimming pool of a field at Soldier Field in the monsoon on Sunday that hit hit Wisconsin as well. Um, So I I think, you know, they're they're perked up and they're on notice in terms of what the Bears were able to accomplish. At the same time, I think a lot of folks are viewing that game as well. You know, the the weather conditions kind of neutralized anything good or bad for either team, and the Bears were able to fight their way through that better. Um, so I, I always think there's going to be uh, a natural superiority complex and inferior inferiority complex when it comes to these two franchises, uh, at least until the Bears try to turn this thing around and make it a little bit more competitive. So uh, I think inside and outside the building, the Packers are viewing this as, and their fans are viewing this as, hey, this is a get-right game. This is a game that we can show that we've still got an opportunity to be king of the NFC North this season. The troubling part about it is if they struggle, if, God forbid, they lose to the Chicago Bears at home on Sunday night football, then you're staring down 0-2, and week three is a matchup on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. So this could become a slippery slope. This is an important game for the Packers. 
Now, I talked about Luke Getze a little bit, and when he was hired here in Chicago, there were two schools of thought, right? It was the, oh, man, the guy who worked with Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be great. He's going to get Justin Fields mm-hmm. on the move. He's going to build this great offense. And the other school of thought was, well, he was just a quarterback's coach, and he was with a Hall of Famer, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. How much could he have possibly done? What can you tell us about that relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Luke Getze? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. When I think of Luke Getze, I actually don't think of Aaron Rodgers. I think of wide receivers because – Prior to being the quarterback's coach in Green Bay, he was the wide receiver's coach, and I've spent a bunch of days up in Green Bay at training camp and at practices over the course of my career, and Luke Getze always employed these really interesting and different receiver drills. So, like, he would toss, uh, not hard, obviously, uh, he wasn't trying to hurt anybody, but he would toss, like, bricks, like physical bricks at his wide receivers, or tennis balls, and he would throw the football over from behind their head and try to have them catch it blind, so... He always, that's, what I, that's what I think about when I think about Luke Getze is uh, interesting ways of training and interesting ways of thinking. And I think as a Bears fan, that should excite you because he's not going to take a traditional view to offense or to what Justin Fields should be or was last year or needs to be two years from now. He's just going to try to groom him in the best way he possibly can, and he's not going to try and fit Justin Fields into any sort of box. And I know that was a – uh, an interesting critique of Matt Nagy in terms of, you know, why are we treating this guy this way when he doesn't need to play in the box? He's creative and he can run and make things happen with his arms and his legs. So, uh, it, it, you know, I think Luke Getze is going to apply all those interesting tactics that he used with his wide receiver core, probably with the Bears offense and with Justin Fields going forward. And that should be exciting for Bears fans. Brian D. from WTMJ up in Milwaukee joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian JD. That's Brian with a Y, J, D. Uh, there are a couple returns to practice today for the Packers. David Bakhtiari came back. He was doing some drills. How is this offensive line looking so far? It has only been one game, but it's a little bit shaky, it looked like, against the Vikings. What are your thoughts on the offensive line? Yeah, it, it was suspect for sure against the Vikings. And Aaron Rodgers took a lot of big hits that we're not used to seeing Aaron Rodgers take. And Zadarius Smith uh, made some comments about his exit from Green Bay leading up to that Vikings game. And I think he got his revenge in that game that he was seeking, saying that he was disrespected on the way out and really in his final days with the Green Bay Packers. So uh, he took advantage of what is an offensive line that is not at full strength, uh, that is using some young guys along the offensive front. And David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are two all-pro caliber players that are both recovering from significant knee injuries. For David Bakhtiari, we're closing in on two years. I mean, he tore his ACL on New Year's Day, of 2020 so i mean it's it's dating back in terms of how long he's been recovering and i think he's inching closer as is elton jenkins i just think the packers really wanted to take it slow knowing in week one they were going on the road to a loud building in minnesota uh and uh you know astroturf is always a little bit dicey when it comes to knees so i I think they just wanted to say look let's wait a week let's make sure both of these guys are a hundred percent or as close to it as they can be let's do this on our own grass field where the turf is a little bit better and less suspect and something we're comfortable with especially for Elton Jenkins because he tore his ACL on that turf in Minnesota so 
throwing him back out there at the scene of the crime, I think would have been a tough mental thing for him to overcome. So if these guys missed this week, I think the concern ramps up a little bit. But at this point, I think it was just, look, let's take as much time as we possibly can and make sure these guys are comfortable. All right. And Alan Lazard also returned to practice full, full go today in practice. How much is that ankle going to affect him? Obviously they're going to keep an eye on it, but how much of a boost to that uh, wide receiver core would that be if Alan Lazard could come back? Yeah, I think it certainly helps because you have a guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts. And uh, after that first drop from Christian Watson on the first offensive play for the Packers last weekend, it was clear he didn't trust anybody, whether it was Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs. Randall Cobb just isn't uh, you know, good enough anymore at this stage of his career to make a huge impact. So there was nobody he trusted with the football last week. And as a result, he held on to the ball too long and took some of those big hits that we were just talking about. Um, so I think Alan Lazard coming back certainly helps. Now, we don't know the severity of this ankle injury. It happened about two and a half weeks ago. He said he got stepped on, I believe, by an offensive lineman in practice. So this wasn't necessarily like a soft tissue sprain sort of injury. It was a physical impact sort of injury. So we, we haven't had any look at him in terms of how severe this might have been since it happened. So it's going to be a surprise to all of us to see just how healthy he is. But uh, on a bare minimum level, A, you're going to get a, a guy back that Aaron Rodgers trusts immensely, and B, he's going to open up opportunities for the Christian Watsons and the Romeo Dobbses of the world just by his mere presence of being out there. So ultimately, I think it helps this weekend. And what about this defense? You know, Football Outsiders, before the season started a week ago, had this defense pegged as the team to allow the least amount of points so far that, or that they would by the end of the season. Now, part of that is the schedule. Obviously, they face the Lions, they face the Bears, and, you know, a couple other teams on that schedule that might not be doing a lot of scoring, but something obviously went wrong week one of the season against the Vikings. The Bears don't have that kind of weapons. How do they turn that around in a week? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that might even be the most concerning part uh, about week one was the performance of the defense because you're right, the, the expectations were super high, sky high for this defense going into week one where the expectations weren't as high for the offense knowing they had some young pieces to incorporate there. But they've got difference makers on every level of this defense. When you talk about Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark along the defensive line, kind of two game wreckers down there. Devondre Campbell, uh, one of their linebackers, got a huge contract extension by way of his performance last year. He was awesome, and they drafted Quay Walker out of Georgia, a speedy sideline-to-sideline linebacker uh, this past year with their first first first-round pick. So linebackers are much improved. And in the secondary, you've got Jair Alexander, one of the top five corners in the league, uh, back from a shoulder injury 100% healthy, and that was the head-scratcher last week was why is that dude not shadowing Justin Jefferson? How is Justin Jefferson just running wide open all games to the tune of 184 yards and two touchdowns? Matt LaFleur said it would have just put them into a zone or a man scheme, excuse me, for the entire game, and he didn't want to do that, which seemed like a flimsy excuse because you can, you can do it both ways. Like, you could do some coverages in man, some in zone, uh, and, and try to better – uh, slow down Justin Jefferson, and they didn't use their $25, $30 million cornerback to do that. So the defensive performance was really concerning. It seemed like they lost communication uh, in some ways during that game. I'm really curious to see if they have a rebound night because that is the unit. If the Packers are going to be a Super Bowl contender this year, that has to be top five. The offense is going to have its growing pains, but you've got 11 guys on that side of the ball that are either returning starters or first-round picks. They need to be better than what they showed in Minnesota. 
All right, let's do some overreacting, right? Because that's what everybody does after week one. So the Vikings win the division. The Packers' offense is a mess. They miss Devontae Adams more than they realized they would. The defense is subpar like what we saw in week one. They'll probably get a, get better, but let's just say it is subpar. When do we get a pouty Aaron Rodgers and on a Pat McAfee show or something like that? And what do the Packers do to keep him happy? Obviously, he signed a long-term deal. He's not going to do any of this, I don't know if I'm going to sign, I don't know if I'm going to retire, all this kind of stuff. Right. He could threaten retirement once again, but what do the Packers do to find him some more weapons and keep Aaron Rodgers happy? Well, I think in terms of Pouty Rodgers, you've already seen it, right? Like, I mean, he was angrily gesticulating and kind of cussing on the sidelines during the game and not being real supportive to the young guys during the game. You didn't see him talking to them at all on the sidelines. Uh, and then on McAfee and in his other media appearances, he, you know, like the, the post-game press conference, for example, he's kind of been defensive. He, he's like, yeah, I mean, we kind of knew these growing, pain, growing pains were coming, but at the same time, you're out there to catch the football. i got to trust you to catch the football. So you're already seeing some of that defensiveness from Aaron Rodgers. Um, and, and you're right. You know, he did sign the long-term deal. It is sort of a year-to-year situation with that contract where he could dip out at any time if he decides to, and ter- if you just wanted to retire, if he felt like he wanted to do that. So I think that option remains on the table. And he's kind of that NBA caliber of NFL player where he could do whatever the heck he wants, and the Packers are going to have to figure it out. Um, but in terms of appeasing him, at this juncture, there's only so much you can do in terms of impact players. You know, like the way I almost view it is – after your fantasy football draft, if you go scouring the waiver wire in a 12-team league, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel at that point. There's only so much you can do. So this is going to be the group. These are going to be the guys, and he has to, I think, if he wants a big change to happen, he needs to take pressure off of these young wide receivers by his actions and by his words. They're going to grow, maybe not at the pace that Aaron, Aaron Rodgers wants them to, but he needs to actively be working with them and saying, look, I can't put as much pressure on you guys as I have through training camp through the early portion of this season. I need to be better. I need to make things easier. Matt LaFleur has got to make things more simplistic with his offense uh, because our defense can carry us at their best. And maybe if we can get you guys to 17 to 21 points a game, that could be enough over the course of a 17-game season. That's Brian D. from WTMG up in Milwaukee. Follow him on Twitter at Brian J.D. Brian, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for having me.